spiritual neshama together with giving us the Torah. That means every time we keep the Torah, we do the mitzvahs, we learn Torah, we're elevating ourselves spiritually. The guy who don't have that, so for them keeping the Torah, we'd be doing the actions. They don't have the ability to grow and to become great through the Torah. And he now takes us to the next level. Says the Kazari, this is really the understanding of the concept of Eilam Abba. The idea of Adam Abba is that a person focuses on that spiritual neshama we spoke about. He detaches from his physical body, he detaches from his physical temptations, and he connects to that spiritual, so to speak, essence which Hashem gave him. Now, that's why we saw that Klai Yisrael, the gift that they were given, by Matan Torah was the ability to go to Abba. And that was Hashem's promise to them. That there's a certain level that Kaishal will receive as getting the Torah, and that is the ability to connect to Adam Abba. It's a very beautiful explanation of the Ma'ra. I don't know if the Kazari meant this or not, but it fits very well. The Ma'ra famously asks that when the Gemara says that when Kaishal was at the foot of Harsinai, Hashem was kafalim harkagigis. We know it's a famous Gemara. Hashem, but if you translate it accurately, what it means is, Hashem held the mountain over them like a barrel. A gigis is a barrel. And the Maral asked the question that if you wanted to crush somebody, you wouldn't use a barrel. On the contrary, if you put a barrel in them, they're just going to land up, they're going to be trapped inside the barrel maybe, but they don't get, they don't get crushed by the barrel. Overturned. Right, we're talking about a barrel which is overturned, and therefore the opening is on top of them. So Harsinah was like the opening on top of them with the sides of the mountain and the top of the mountain above them. And you could trap them. You could put the barrel down on top of them and now they're stuck inside the barrel. But it's not necessarily going to bury them. How, so, how could a mountain be a barrel? It's Ideal if, if I hold the barrel over you with the, with the opening of the barrel facing down, right? and if I put the barrel over, what happens? You just get stuck inside it. It's not like I'm putting a heavy weight in somewhere that's going to crash him. So it wasn't the real mountain. It was Kiddo. This is figurative. Hashem showed them, Kiddo, I'm going to, if you don't accept the Torah, then, then you're going to be trapped. And asked the Maral, what was the significance of that? Right. It was a, what was the significance? If you're going to say that it means you're going to get killed, you're going to get destroyed, the world will come to an end, okay. But you can hold, let's say, a block of metal, or whatever's going to be a mountain over them. You're going to get crushed. What's the idea of holding a barrel over them? It says the Maral, something which is very beautiful. And he says, what Hashem was telling them is, if you're not going to accept the Torah, you're going to get trapped in Olam Hazeh because there's nothing beyond that. There's nowhere beyond. You're stuck in this world and that's where you're going to spend your lives and that's where you're going to end and there's nothing higher that can transcend that. Accepting the Torah gives you the ability to connect to something which is Rukhni. And therefore you have in a way, you have an escape route out of Olam Hazeh. You aren't confined to this world. Everything else lives its life, dies and that's the end of it. There's no way to escape, so to speak, the mortality of, of physical existence. Whereas the Torah gives us a lifeline to something spiritual. And that's what Hashem told them. If, if you don't become the Torah, you're going to be in a gigas. You're going to be trapped in this world. Not that you're going to get killed. But that you have no, that the, but you have no way beyond. You have no way to connect to anything or to escape, so to speak, with the confines of this world. And that's what, that's what we got when we got the Torah was that root out of this world, which means we can connect to something Rukhni. 
And therefore, says of Pizari, the soil of Olam Haba is that because we have the basis for Olam Haba, which means the connection to Ruchnias, the idea of Olam Haba is that's what we're going to keep. Our physical bodies will come to an end. Our physical life will come to an end. But since we have that connection to that Ruchnias, which is what Hashem gave us when He gave us the Torah, so we can talk about a world beyond this world, an existence beyond this existence. Whereas, that's only for Kol Yisrael, the Yashem Chayim Whereas everything else, which is confined to only a physical, so to speak, right? So then if that's the case, they don't have that same concept of the, of the Gmul of Olam Abba. So he says, And therefore, That nefesh, that spiritual concept Hashem gave us, is guaranteed that it won't die, even if the body which Hashem gave a, Hashem, Hashem gave a person disintegrates. And therefore, keeping the Torah, being as that's what HaKadosh Baruch gave us, as the way to develop, as the way to make Hanashama, so to speak, more elevated, so that's the way also to earn Al-Baba. The life of that Hanashama. The Moshe Shapiro always used to say this in different words, but he always said he's saying this right. He said, Olam Abba is not a new life. It's not like a person can live a different life. Olam Abba is living the ruchness of the life he lived here. What a person lived here, the mitzvahs he lived here, the Torah he did here, that develops his neshama. That's the Olam Abba. The Olam Abba is the life of the ruchness he lived here. Now, that doesn't mean a person won't continue to develop and grow in the Ramabah. We'll talk about this. For sure he will. But it's not like a kilo, it's a, it's a new life and a clean slate starting again. It's not, it's not a second life. Ulamabah is the spiritual dimension of a person's life here. And therefore, the, 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 what he did here, that, that creates that, that reality, which is his Ulamabah. As long as he hasn't lost his mile of Kaya's role. As, as a chalik al-Alam Abba. So then it's an empty chalik. Meaning? Meaning there's not... The, the Chavetz Chaim, it says. Let's explain it a little bit better. The Chavetz Chaim says this also. And that is that if a person never worked on, let's say, connecting to Ruchnis, so Alam Abba doesn't offer him something he can relate to. It's, it's an existence he doesn't have to deal with. He, he, never, he never worked on developing that. So even if he has an neshama, which by nature is something spiritual, and therefore by nature is something indestructible, but what's it going to do? What's it going to do? If it's going to bring it to the simplest, uh, simplest level, I'm, I'm oversimplifying this a lot, but just to explain simply, if you're talking about a person who never understood how to learn, so if a person learns how to learn, and he's considered by Shia, and he enjoys it, he gets mentally stimulated by it, he gets a, in, 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 a thrill out of a sugi or a nice fire or whatever it's going to be, so of course, Sitting in a share which he enjoys, that, that's, that's a tiny, that's a pleasure even in this world. But for a person who never appreciates it, he doesn't know what it is. So he says, okay, so you can sit in a share. What's it giving him? He, he, he might be there, but he, he doesn't connect it, he doesn't understand it, he doesn't have any gain from it. For a neshama which didn't ever develop a connection to Ruchnius, so even if he has the chalik, but the chalik doesn't speak, he has no way to connect. He's not, he has never developed an appreciation for an enjoyment of that Ruchnius. So why, like, when a baby. Okay, so far we've spoken about the Nishama Vijay. 
Now, what about a nanja? What about a nanja? So, the kuzari is interesting, doesn't talk about this this stage at all. And if we just read what the kuzari said now, it would seem like there's no future for nanjas. That's it. The, 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 the promise of an afterlife is a function of the nisham which only a Jew has. However, it can't be like that because the Gemara says not like that. Before that, the Gemara. The Gemara says at first that even non-Jews have, a, have a, what's called a Ruach, and the Pasuk says in Kehidah, that the, an, the Ruach of a non-Jew also gets judged. And he also is going to be punished for things he's done wrong, and he's also going to be re- rewarded for things he's done right. Which means, uh, when the Commissioner says, that don't believe that the grave is a refuge for what a person's done, because that, that's just oblivion after that, and he doesn't exist, that's not true. That's not true. There is a concept of beyond this world, so to speak, reward and punishment for non-Jews also, and it's 100% true. We know the idea from the Gemaras, and we know this from the post Gemaras and Midrashim as well, that even big Rishayim are being punished in Gehenna, non-Jews. Whether it was Bilam, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar, whether it was Titus, whether it was others, right? we know what their punishment is. They didn't disappear when they died. So for sure, there's a concept of a nefesh, of a soul, so to speak, a spiritual component to every human being, and uh, that will be rewarded and punishment and punished exactly in accordance with his actions. But this is something which we need to explain in Vedas, and we will talk about this when we get to that. There's a big difference between the afterlife and Adam Abu. It's not the same place. This is a big uh, area of confusion. Sorry? Yes, in the national world, one is going to talk about this. This is a, this is a big confusion. People who die don't go to Adam Abu. Adam Abu has not yet begun. People who die go to, you can call it an Aiden if you want, or Gehinnim, or if you want to call it Adam Anishamas, or Shivishamada, there are different options, different venues where people who die go to. Right. And uh, we can discuss each one separately what it is and who lands up there. But uh, this is not Olam Haba. Olam Haba is a completely different existence which hasn't yet begun. And the Ramban at the end of his sefer he wrote specifically on this topic. Ramban came out a whole sefer called Shara Gmul. Shara Gmul. Shara Gmul means the chapter of how Hashem pays back. Gmul is, so to speak, recompense. And then he goes to the levels of punishment and the levels of reward. And this is the point he makes most strongly in the sefer is don't mix up what you refer to as the, fun, the reward and punishment of after a person dies with the concept of Adam Abba, which is a completely separate topic. But we have to learn this, it's very important, and understand what the differences are. So 100%, we're not saying that a guy doesn't get rewarded or punished even after he dies, it's clear that he does. And like I said, from a number of Gemaras, a number of Chazals, even from Sukkim, the first in the Pasuk, by various Hashem also, that they're going to get punished after they die. Right? That's not a question. But that after death, reward and punishment is not Olam Abba. Olam Abba is a separate existence which hasn't yet begun, will only begin after this world ends. Mm-hmm. It says if we tell a girl that that is Olam Abba that's a dikim vahem Yisrael. And therefore, if you want to convince him to become a girl, it's good for him because then you can get Olam Abba. But these will be really strong the concepts around Vedash a little bit later on here in this safe and in much more detail. When we get there, we're going to go through all the differences. What's the difference between Yeshiva Shalmada and Ganadin and Adam and Shamus and eventually Adam Abad? They're the different concepts. They, don't, they aren't synonyms for the same thing. Okay. So that's the first one you wanted to talk about. And therefore, he's, uh, therefore what's the, uh, the Kuzari's definition of Adam Abad? So he says that it's the connection to the, le- the spiritual parts of the Neshama that Akhadish Baruch gives the person. 
and that gets developed by the Torah he learns, by the mitzvahs he does, that uh, connects him and develops that spiritual that spiritual part of the person, and it's with that part of him that he experiences or will experience in the future. Now, what's the king's response to this? And this is one of the most, like I said, the most famous lines in the Kazari. Amar Kazari, I see that the guy offer a much better idea of what paradise is and what you guys are doing. Right? This idea of some spiritual pleasure that you get based on what you are connected to at a spiritual level here pales in comparison to you know, the utopian picture that uh, is presented by all the other religions about what they're offering their adherents. Now, there's two levels to what the Ghazari means to ask, or the king means to ask. Number one, number one, the picture which other religions paint of what they consider the future to be, paradise, or whatever they're going to call it to be, is something very physically like, understandable. Whether one looks at it as being beautiful scenery and flowing waterfalls and uh, you know, fields of flowers, whatever, however you're going to picture the idea of how they make it sound, like some kind of tropical paradise or island, whatever it's going to be, or some kind of national vegetation, they have a very physical way of referring to uh, what they call the reward of the future. And that's if you're talking about the Christian idea. If you're talking about the Muslim idea, so it's much more, it's much more, much more clearly Please. physical than that. And they talk about everyone gets to have much women they want, or money they want, or whatever else, their horses, or whatever it is, is on a much more physical level. As opposed to when we talk about Adam Abba, so the first thing we have is the Pasuk in Yeshaya, where Yeshaya says, No one's ever seen it. Right? It's not something which is visible, it's not something which is physical, and therefore can be pictured by a physical eye. So the Kuzari says to the Chacham, you should know that if you're trying to convince somebody with your promise of reward, that the promise of whatever else, everyone else is offering is much more lavish than what you're offering. Right? It's, uh, it's talking about some kind of uh, esoteric spiritual concept. doesn't do as good a job as talking about you know, something which is physically readily, readily understandable. That's the first point of this question. The second point of this question is, that's not what the terrorist says. And this is an important point which all the Rishonim have to answer. It's interesting. This seems to be one of the primary arguments of Christianity. Why do I say that? Because whoever argues with Christians was asked the same question. And therefore, this is a question which we're going to see four different answers in the Rishonim to. And that is, that's not what the Torah ever says. The Torah never once promises Olam If you keep the mitzvahs, you get Olam it never says that. If you keep the mitzvahs, you'll get spiritual reward, it never says that. What does the Torah say? The Torah says, if you keep the mitzvahs, Hashem will send the rain. We say it in Krishna every night. It'll, it'll be rain. And if you don't keep the Torah, it won't be rain. And if you want to go into more elaboration, when you come to Pashas Pufakosa, the blessings and the curses, or in Pashas Kisavai, then you just have a much longer list. If you keep the Torah, then there'll be rain, there'll be plenty, and you'll have fields, and you'll have cattle, and your children will be blessed, and you'll have everything good. And if you don't keep the Torah, well then here we start, the whole list of sicknesses. Kadechas, and Shadachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
as opposed to all the other religions, that this is the, their primary point. Well, what are they always promising? Paradise, afterlife, future. Right? That's all that, that's what they promised the whole time. In the Quran and other uh-huh. And that is the spirit, the future reward, the afterlife, and the beautiful, so to speak, paradise waiting for the inheritance or whatever issue it is. Uh-huh. Why isn't the Torah do the same thing? And of course, 100%. And what's the punishment? The punishment is the punishment of uh, Gehenna, whatever they're going to call it, in whatever language it is. It's the same idea. Right? The, the, the destruction in the afterlife. Why doesn't the Torah talk about that? Why did I say this was a primary question, which which was always something which the Mishnayim had to debate? Because we see they all answer it. The Rambam, the Ramban, the Kazari, um, the Rashba, they all give different answers to this question. Now, and many, many other Mishnayim also, they just repeat one of these answers. But we have four different approaches how to answer this question. Why doesn't the Torah also talk about spiritual reward and punishment? How do we know about it? And there's three parts to the question. Number one, why doesn't the Torah talk about it? Why does the Torah only talk about physical reward and punishment? Number two, if, that's the, Torah, if the Torah doesn't talk about it, then how do we know about it? That's the second point. And number three, what we started with, and that is, what's the nature of that spiritual reward and punishment? So we have three, we have three levels to explain. Right? Why the Torah didn't address it? In the, that, that itself, we'll see there are four different approaches to Not arguing with each other, they're all true. But there are four different like, kedushim, so to speak, ways of looking at it from the Rishonim. Number two, now that the Torah hasn't addressed it, how do you know that? What's the proof for it? And number three, when it's being as it's presented as something of a spiritual nature, not something which we can, so to speak, paint a picture in our mind's eye of physical inhabit- uh, habitat, so how are we meant to understand it? How are we meant to relate it? So that's what we're going to be able to discuss in the next few shirim on these, uh, these three, I would say, fundamental points in Yiddish guy. Which is, a reward, which is how we approach, understand, and can prove the idea of the future reward and punishment.